Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Amen. Well, I'm excited to preach and to jump into the Word of God together. And um, just before we do that, I want to say at our, bo- our last board meeting, uh, just forecasting for the future, you know, as our church is growing, the kids' ministry is growing. They're almost at capacity in the classrooms already. Um, so uh, these are good problems, but they're not called problems, right? They're just challenges. That's it. We remind ourselves these are good challenges, and, uh, and we're also looking into some ideas and asking uh, the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and discernment and creative approaches to how we can do church. And, uh, and we want to continue to see more and more kids coming to Wesson. And here's a forecast. With VBS reaching to our community, my prayer is that whoever does come because of VBS will integrate on Friday nights or on Sundays as well. And as a church and as leadership, we need to anticipate these kind of things and prepare. So it's an exciting season. Can you say amen? So we have to be on our toes. Things that we've been used to, in other words, what got us here is not going to get us there. And so we have to say, Holy Spirit, help us to be in step with you. Because if God's on the move, we have to be in step. Amen? And so uh, I just wanted to share that. It's exciting stuff. One little reminder, and then we'll get to the word. Conference um, next Sunday. I think we have about a week and a half till June 25th, which is where the special pricing for us is, is open for the conference. There's an access code, Weston Road. I saw we sent out an e-blast, and many of you started uh, registering for our Salt and Light conference in October. I want to say don't delay, because after the 25th, we're opening it up to whoever and whomever. And if all those spots sell out, then you can't come up to me and say, Pastor, please, I just need uh, to get my family in. It'll be too late. As we'll have conference up here, we're going to do Salt and Light Kids downstairs as well. And so uh, just be aware of that. All the information is available on the website. Uh, But I'm excited to preach the Word of God today. And this morning, the title of my message is Lessons in Leadership from the Life of Gideon. Lessons in Leadership from the Life of Gideon. It is Father's Day today, but this message applies to everyone here. Uh, But I will say this to all the men in the house, that we are called to lead our families spiritually. That it's my duty in my household to lead my wife and my children closer to Christ and to lead them in that direction. That's my job. That's my responsibility. I'm also the gatekeeper of my household. What that means to me is I am the one who determines what I permit and allow in or not. And so spiritual application as well. I decide. I choose the spiritual temperature of my home. What I permit and what I allow or what I don't permit and don't allow. And so it's a big responsibility, but it's one that we have to man up and own up to. And with that comes the reality that maybe some of us as men haven't been good stewards of the home and of that leadership responsibility. 
it is my understanding that leaders act from a deep sense of responsibility. I'm going to say it again. Leaders act from a deep sense of responsibility. Therefore, if you're not leading your home or your family, you're not taking responsibility. And so it's important that we understand, guys, this is, this is what we're called to do. We have to lead our families to Jesus. And all the men said, amen. It got really quiet. But I'm not afraid to stand here and, and, and to share with you and say, this is what the Word of God tells us for us. And, and if we miss the mark, then we know we're, we're missing the mark. But let's do something about it. Amen. Lessons in leadership from the life of Gideon. If you have your Bible, would you stand and turn to Judges chapter 6? Judges chapter 6. And I just want to read two verses as we get started together. Judges chapter 6. I want to read verse 11 and verse 12. We'll have it on the screen behind me. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, not Oprah, but Ophrah, really close, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And here's verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you for the example we have through the life of Gideon. Lord, I pray that you would allow your word to come alive in the hearts and lives of every single person, whether they're listening now or through the podcast in the future. God, I pray for your anointing upon my mind, my lips, and my heart, that, Lord, I would speak the words that you'd want spoken the way you want them to be communicated. I ask for your blessing and for open hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Lessons in leadership from the life of Gideon. Let me just fill you in on the backstory leading up to this. I kind of alluded to it in our time of prayer, where the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This pattern repeats through the book of Judges. And, and I've shared this before, but for those of you who maybe forget, or maybe it's the first time you're hearing this, you could find this four-part pattern that repeats. They sin, they become servants, they supplicate or cry out to God, and God sends them a Savior with a small s. Not Jesus, but a Savior, meaning a judge that He would raise up for the specific purpose of redeeming His people. So they sinned, they become servants, that means people conquered them, and then they supplicated and God sent them Savior, small s. And this pattern repeats, and in Judges chapter 6, it starts the exact same way. This time, though, instead of God just raising up a judge like he did with Samson, where he just sends the person straight to them, the Lord actually uses a prophet and gives them a message saying, this is a result of your own doing, that you've chosen to worship other gods and you're forgetting me. But now he comes 
And an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. And it's important to note that they were hiding from the Midianites. They scattered. They were hiding in caves, trying not to be discovered. And so when Gideon, he's threshing wheat in the wine press, he's trying to hide the grain. So he's in a position of hiding as well. And I want you to know that when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you for where you are at now, but he looks at you and sees the potential of what you can be. So leadership lesson number one, God sees in you what you don't even see in yourself. God sees in you what you don't see in yourself. See, Gideon is in a position of hiding. He's doing things in secret to not be discovered. But I want you to know, you could be hiding today, and God still finds you. You can be hiding today, and God still knows where you're at, and God looks at you. And it's important to understand, when the angel speaks to Gideon, you might think, oh, this is the word of the Lord that he's been waiting for. And the angel actually calls him a mighty hero. Look in verse 12. We read it. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Another translation says, uh, you're a mighty man of valor. A mighty man of valor. But he's hiding. Isn't that a mighty man of coward? Right? But no. God sees something in Gideon. And what God is going to do throughout the next verses is to bring that out of him. You see, God can have a calling on your life and you cannot even see it. But God has this ability of equipping those whom he calls. Amen? I'm not here today because I had all the skills and the tools to be a communicator. Let me share with you uh, grade six. We're going to revisit for a second in my classroom. And it was public speaking day. Yes, I had my speech prepared, but I was so scared. And I was so nervous. My last name, letter M, Mana, middle of the pack, right, in the alphabet. And so day one, you know, I'm like, my, my heart's in my mouth. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. And so they would go through all of it. And guess what? The end of the day came, and we didn't get enough time to hit the letter M. So part of me was relieved. And then I realized, wait a minute, I have to go home, sleep another night of no sleep because I'm so nervous, and then I'm going to be first the next morning. I was like, this is the worst two days of my life. And that was me in grade six. I hated public speaking. If you thought it would get better, I got to community college in Quebec. This is like grade 12 if you're here in Ontario. And I remember having to prepare. I got to school at 7 a.m., because I was so nervous and I sat in this little lounge area with the notes and I was going over and I was, my class didn't start till 10. And so I was there for three hours torturing myself saying, I don't know if I could do this. And you know what? Every time I got up, I realized halfway through, it's like you're speaking, but you're having a conversation in the back of your head. This actually happens sometimes while I preach too, by the way. <laughs> You're like, I wonder if people are receiving this. Should I just close the, the service now, Lord? Like, help me. But I remember doing the speech and thinking, this isn't so bad. I was so nervous for this. And it's like five minutes long, your speech, and you're done. Right? In Bible school, now I was, I, I was accepting the reality of God. I'm giving you my life. Use me however you want. And then I was traveling as the, the worship team's drummer. 
And they turned to me in the van and they said, tonight, you're going to give your testimony. And I was like, I don't have a testimony. <laughs> I literally said that. I was like, I was raised in church. I was a good kid. I did nothing bad. A few, few little things. I don't have a testimony. I can't do it. They're like, no, that's the greatest testimony, is that God spared your life from all of these other things that other people had to do and experience. That's your greatest testimony. You share that. I was like, I don't want to. But guess what? I, I said, Lord, I, I gave you my life. I gave you my future. I'm here in Bible school. I'll do it. And that's where I, start to, I started to accept that there was a greater call on my life. All of those things that I would hide from and be afraid of, I just said, Lord, if you could take my hands and my feet, if you want to use my mouth, I'll do it. I'm willing to be your hands and feet and your mouthpiece if, if that's what you want. I gave God my yes. And you see, Gideon, this is my story, and some of you maybe feel a bit more encouraged. Every Sunday I get up here, you can ask my wife that I have to go to the bathroom at least twice from the time I get up to the time I stand up here. Hey, this is real church, amen? I'm going to be real. And, and it's not easy. Why? Because I'm standing before people, and maybe your situation is life and death. You, you, you don't see your way out of it. And I said, Lord, how am I going to stand and try to encourage people who are dealing through hard things? And, and God just said, if you're willing, I'll, I'll fill your mouth. And so I'm willing, church, to stand up and to allow God to use me. Some of you are afraid. Don't worry. Gideon was afraid, but God used him in a mighty way. And he has, like only he can, the ability to see what you can't even see. People used to tell me, oh, God's going to use you. You're going to be a pastor. And I was like, no, no thanks. Soccer and drums, that's what I'm, I'm good with, and that's what I want to do. But guess what? I'm a pastor today and I'm preaching. And so the first thing we're looking at is Gideon's call. If you're taking notes, this is number one. If you want to jot that down, Gideon's call. That God sees in you what you can't see in yourself. And you see, Gideon is not looking for greatness. He's not out to make a name for himself. He's just happy being Gideon in hiding. It wasn't a good time either for the people, but you have to know he wasn't out there trying to climb some kind of corporate ladder either. He was just Gideon. And the call of God still comes to him. And I want you to know today that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care about your family name. Or, or the kind of heritage that you have. And, and it could be a good heritage as well in the faith. But God can also use people who, who, are, who are not even saved. Your parents did not serve the Lord or know the Lord. But He's calling you. And He's going to use you. You see, my dad was never a pastor or a preacher. My, my mom loved the Lord. She served as a church secretary. But a lot of times we see, you know, like, oh, my dad was a pastor. I'm a third generation pastor. I was like... No, this is, this is new for us as a family. And for Gideon, he wasn't out to climb this kind of ladder, but he was just happy being who he was. He was working and, and he was uh, at the threshing of the wheat in the wine press. The angel finds him, calls him a, a mighty hero. Mighty hero. See, God might reveal something and, and use specific words, and you might not even believe it. You might not even believe it, but don't discard it. 
When God speaks a word, write it down. Remember it. Hold on to it. If God speaks a specific thing and calls you something specific, write it down and remember it. Mighty hero. And Gideon's like, that's not me. That's not me. Gideon proceeds to then tell the angel all of the reasons why he's not a mighty hero and why he cannot be the one that God uses. If you want, you can read it, but I just want to highlight one thing that Gideon does say. Gideon responds in verse 15, how can I rescue Israel? Right? And I think that's an honest question. In in understanding God's choosing and in His calling, if God is calling you, it's okay to respond with a realistic answer. And he says, how can I rescue Israel? And he gives the reasons, though, for why he's thinking this way. He says, my clan is the weakest, number one. And number two, I am the least in my entire family. And as true as those things might be, that still doesn't stop God from choosing leaders. Amen? And so think about whatever excuse you have. Even if God maybe spoke a word over your life, and maybe you wrote it down somewhere, but you kind of left it because you're leaning on all these other excuses, I want you to know that you need to step off of that side and start standing on the promises of God for your life. Gideon had these excuses. They were even valid, if you will. And, and he's trying to emphasize how bad of a choice he actually is. He's trying to emphasize that. He's like, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the weakest clan and I'm the, the least in my entire family. And so the question then is, who would have picked Gideon as a leader? Right? Certainly not Gideon himself. He wouldn't have even picked himself as a leader. And he gives those answers. But I want you to know that although man looks on the outside, God always looks deeper and he looks on the heart. And if you want another example in scripture, think about young David, where the prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse at the instruction of the Lord to find and anoint the next king. Even though Samuel was a prophet, When he gets to the house, he says, surely it's going to be one of these guys. That's what he's thinking in, in the natural. So he gets through all the sons, but he never feels the Holy Spirit give him the yes. And then finally, he said, is there anyone else? Oh, yeah, there's David. And if you've been in church long enough, you're probably familiar with that story. Here's the significance. David wasn't even around. But God knew exactly where he was, knew which house to go to. And when Samuel saw David, then he knew for a fact, this is the guy, and he anoints him. You know what's interesting? It says about David that from that day on, the Holy Spirit came mightily upon him. You know what happens with Gideon? The Holy Spirit comes upon him too in his life. And we're going to get to that in a second. So number one, Gideon's call. Gideon's call came at a time where he was hiding and where he felt weak. And he was not a good choice. But that was the perfect time for God to find him and tell him, Hey, mighty hero, mighty man of valor, I'm going to be with you and you're going to rescue my people. Listen, God is calling people in this room to stand up and to step up to the call. You might feel unqualified 
and you will feel all of these feelings, but I'm so grateful that we don't just move on feelings, we move on faith, amen? And that when God speaks something, we have to have enough faith that is above what we're feeling in the moment, that we can still act on faith when our feelings tell us otherwise. Can somebody say amen? That's the call of God on Gideon. Number two is confrontation. Confrontation. And what happens is Gideon steps out. And his first challenge, it's not an easy one. He's called to go and to confront his own family. His father, who should have worshipped the one true God, has these images of Baal and an Asherah pole. And God will not be, uh, he'll not compete for glory. And so what God tells Gideon is, he said, I want you to go. And he gives him very specific instruction. And it tells us that Gideon, this is verses 25 um, and on, that God gave him very specific instruction, but Gideon grabs 10 guys. So we're talking about lessons in leadership. So the call came to one, but now Gideon is grabbing 10. He's getting 10 people with him. And his first confrontation or challenge is this confrontation with his father. Now, a true leader, we might say, will go straight up to his dad and, and basically tell him what's up and do the deed and move on. But we don't see that in Gideon. You know, though he was called a mighty hero or a mighty man of valor, what he's about to do, he does at night. Why? Because the Bible tells us he's afraid. He's afraid. And I just want to go through some specifics with you that we find in verses 25 to 27 of Judges 6. God was very specific. Verse 25, he said, Choose the second bull from your father's herd. It was a bull that was seven years old. Why the second bull and not the first? I had to look into that because naturally I was asking that question. What I found was the first bull would have been the best one that would produce even more cattle. So the second bull was God's way of showing grace even to Gideon's father. Don't take the first one, but we'll take the second one. So he says, take the second bull from your father's herd. Pull down your father's altar to Baal. Cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Verse 26, build an altar to the Lord. See all the specifics? On this hilltop sanctuary. And he says, lay down these stones carefully. He's telling him how to do this. And he says, sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar. And then using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. Very specific. Gideon's first challenge is this confrontation with his father's idols. They should have never been there in the first place. But the interesting thing is God was very specific in the details. And I want you to know that as you respond to God's call, some of you it's literally for leadership. Others it might be in different areas of life. But it's important that you do it God's way. It's important that if you're going to step out, you don't do it in your own knowledge, your own understanding, but you ask God for the plan and for the strategy. You see, God gave him very specific instruction. Why? He was a new leader. 
He had no experience. So he needed that guidance. He needed specific instruction. And so he gets it. God tells him exactly what to do. But the underlying part of the story that for me I find fascinating, because this is like very detailed, very big, but he does it at night. And the scriptures say he did it at night because he was afraid. He was afraid. Listen, God can call you and you could step out, but I want to say this. It's okay to be afraid, but I'll say continue to do what God has called you to do. And, and I think personally, you know, the reason why every time I have to get up, I still get these butterflies, I'll tell you why. It's because I don't want this to ever get old in my life. I don't ever want to get too comfortable with, with what we do here and what my responsibility is. If I treated this flippantly, sure, I would just give a good talk, print off a little five-point sermon off of the internet, just read it off the page, maybe memorize it because, you know, I'm learning how to communicate better through the years. And then we could just high-five each other and go home. But this is not what God has called us to be or called me to do as a pastor. I have to hear from heaven and preach a word. To do that, I have to, have to listen. I have to position myself. I have to inquire of the Lord. God, give me a word for your people. Tell me what you want me to say. And so God gives instruction. And God gives Gideon instruction. And do I feel afraid? I don't know if it's fear. It's more like a bit of nervousness that, God, your word is holy. Like this, this opportunity is important for people. And I want to be sure that if I stand up here, I'm not just winging it. I can't. I can't do that before the people of God that he's entrusted to me. And I can't do that before God who's called me. Amen. And so um, the same thing with our calling. We can feel the feeling of being afraid, but it has to always still my faith trumps it that I'm doing what God has asked me to do, and he meets me in every step of the way. And so he tells Gideon very specifically what to do. But he had to confront even his father. So sometimes what God has asked us to do or will ask us to do won't always be easy. You have to get this. You have to understand it. It won't always be easy. But I want you to know if God called you to do it, it's always going to be the right thing. It's always going to be the right thing if God has called you to it. And you see, he does it at night because he's afraid. The people in the town are all upset at what happened. But you know what? His father came to his defense. If you read through the rest of that part of the story, his father was actually the one who stepped up and, and defended his own son. And today I want to just remind you that we are called in this room, but we're also called to confront the things that will oppose God. That God will use us for His glory, not for our glory. He's a mighty man, not because God was going to make him famous for his sake, but that God was going to make Gideon known for God's sake alone. And so number two is God, Gideon's confrontation. You know, I want to just take a moment and explain and explain a few things on why God, why does God choose unlikely leaders? Why does God choose unlikely leaders? This comes from John Maxwell in his leadership Bible. Why does God choose unlikely leaders? And he shares these things. Number one, 
to catch the attention of the world. God chooses unlikely leaders to catch the attention of the world. Number two, to bring honor to himself. Not to the leader he chooses, but to himself. Number three, to keep the message simple. And God always gets the glory. Number four, to prompt reliance upon him and not people. It's important. Unlikely leaders, I, I would put myself in that category. We rely on God and his help to, to lead successfully. And then number five, why God chooses unlikely leaders to fill us with his power. This is God's desire as he would call people and choose people and raise people up. And so through all of this, even with Gideon's first confrontation as a leader, doing it God's way, Gideon actually progressed from being an obscure member of a minor clan to a leader of the northern tribes. And I, I alluded to it earlier about David. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. But Judges chapter 6, verse 34 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. And you know it's interesting, because now they're getting ready. Not, he, he did the smaller task, and he successfully did it. Now is the bigger thing. What does a judge do in the book of Judges? He's raised up to deliver God's people, right? So now is the big fight against the Midianites. And we're not talking a couple of people. We're talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Soldiers that they're going to have to conquer and fight. It's a big battle. It's a big challenge. But here's the thing. As Gideon is amassing his army, it's not only because of his leadership ability, because he successfully did the first thing, but there's Judges 6 verse 34. We can't overlook it because I think that some of us, it would get understated if we do that. Judges 6 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. You see, as he is amassing people, it's also the Holy Spirit's work that is at work in him. Amen? Listen, as you do great things for the Lord, make sure he's always getting the glory. One way is to always rely. It's in dependence on him. Holy Spirit, I need you to do this successfully. Holy Spirit, I need you. So people would come. You know, and I've heard it said, a gift will fill a room. But it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage off of people. Did you catch that? A gift could fill a room. Oh, he's a good speaker. You should hear how he communicates. That's a gift. But it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage off of God's people. It's night and day. You know, we can bring in musicians that are super talented and, and speakers that will fill the room. But if there's no anointing, it's just noise. And it's just a good talk. And that's not what God has called us to be about as His church. We need the anointing because that's what makes the difference. By the way, the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. And in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit resides inside of us and lives and dwells inside of us. It's a different picture because God chose to put His Spirit inside of us. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and me. So in terms of our calling to be courageous, to be able to confront the things that God is calling us to confront, we can do it. What about the big things? Oh, don't forget God. 
If, if you have a following and you're a leader, good for you. Honor God in the leadership that he's given you. If you are a leader at work, you're a boss, you're over people, be a good boss and be a good leader. Love on people, lead them like you're supposed to, but rely on the power of the Holy Spirit as well. Why? God gets the glory out of your leadership, whether it's in the church or in the marketplace. Can somebody say amen? And so Gideon's challenge now is to go and defeat the Midianites. And let me share with you that it's not going to be with many, but it's going to be with few. Not because Gideon wasn't successful, not because he did not have the help of the Holy Spirit in his leadership. The Bible lets us know that he had amassed 32,000 people ready to fight. And you're like, we're going to win this. We're going to win this. And I'm sure they're all hyped and they're all pumped. And you know what God says? This is Judges chapter 7, verse 2. We're going to read that in a second. He says, that's too many people. <laughs> too, too many? What do you mean? Let's read what it says in Judges chapter 7, verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Verse 3, therefore tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. Guess what? 22,000 people say, arrivederci, sayonara, we'll see you later, bro. And they're down from 32,000 strong to 10,000. Now, if you're a part of the 10,000, you're like, guys. But you look around and you're like, we're still 10,000, right? Pretty good. And guess what? God says, no, nah, that's still too much. You, you, we don't want, you know, I don't want any of you to think that this is something you did on your own strength or ability. He gives, them more, gives more instruction to Gideon. He says, watch how they drink and lap up the water. From that, he says, we're down now to 300 men to fight. Guys, 32,000 to 300. It's not a lapse on Gideon's leadership. God has an intended purpose that they're going to fight this battle, but they're going to do it, number one, God's way. And number two, God is ensuring that the focus and the attention and the glory goes back to Him. Remember why they got in the predicament in the first place? Because they took their eyes off of God, they took their eyes off of what was good, and they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And God was ensuring that I will save my people because I'm with them. They cried out to me, I respond. I called Gideon. And, and now I've raised him as a leader from his first confrontation, 10 people. Now he amassed 32,000 people. And God says, see, he's a capable leader now. But watch this. You're not going to win with 32,000. You're not going to win with 10. I'm going to make you do it, but with 300. And he tells Gideon, I will give you the victory, but with 300. My question is, as you obey God, are you truly willing to do it God's way? Are you willing to surrender your idea of winning and how to fight and to say, God, I want to do it your way because your way brings the true victory and God gets the glory. 
See, they're reduced to 300. Can I just talk and boast for a second about the kindness of God? In all of this, you could imagine, I mean, Gideon was afraid to do the, that other one, that other confrontation with his dad. Could you imagine? 32, I'm confident. 10,000, that's okay. 300, but God, like, are you testing my leadership now? Like, are you really? And God says, listen, if you need a bit of encouragement, this is what I'm going to do for you. And in verses 10 and 11, I'm going to read it real quick because I want you to understand how kind and how caring God is. Here's what it says in verse 10 of chapter 7 in the book of Judges. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So God in His goodness... He doesn't want his leaders to fail, those who respond to the call, to the challenge, to step up. No, he cares. He knows the cost at which it comes, your obedience. And he's willing to lead you and to guide you. He's a tender father. You know, it's a bit cliche, so we didn't do it this Sunday. We didn't sing good, good father on Father's Day. But the reality is he is a good father. The reality is he cares about his children, sons and daughters, that, that his heart is for you. So God won't lead you to, to a battle and leave you to fail. He won't lead you. He'll lead you to victory. And this is what God does for his children. But you got to do it his way. Not 32,000, not 10,000, 300. And for some of us, that's a reality check because we think God's in the numbers. He's in the army and sometimes he is. We know that God commands a blessing. Psalm says, how good and pleasant it is when, when we dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands a blessing, even life forevermore. We are called to live in community and to be connected. Don't, don't mistake in that. Because we said it last week. Don't neglect the gathering together of the saints. But know that when it comes to fighting battles... Listen, the battle is the Lord's. It's not about how many people you can get on your side, that God will fight for you. And my prayer is that as you step out for the calling that God has for your life, for your family, it's a responsibility to steward it well. Lead the family well, men in the house. Lead the family well. But then guess what? Stand and watch God fight your battle. You know what happens? Real quick as we wrap this message up and we're going to pray for men, especially in the house today. They get their trumpets, they get the clay pots, and they get torches. And you'd say, 300 men, how are they going to win a war with common items like a horn, a torch, and a clay pot? Those aren't like weapons of mass destruction, right? Those are like things you use in your kitchen almost. And, and the application for you and for me is God will use ordinary things to do extraordinary feats for Him. So listen, you don't have to be special. You do not have to have a certain gifting. Maybe to be on the worship team, yes. You can smile. Maybe those of you who are musically inclined, you get it, Right? You don't have to be someone special to be used by God or have special gifts. You know what you have to do? 
be willing to be available to God and to put your hand in His, to put your feet in His feet and say, God, I'm your hands and feet. And I will do what you're asking me to do. That people through me will see you. This is what God's calling us to do. And the clay pot, they crashed it. They blew the trumpet horn. And there was confusion in the Midianite camp. There was confusion. They didn't even show up with a sword. But you know what they shouted? A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. But they had no swords. <laughs> but they won, they won the battle. You know how? The Midianites started killing themselves. They were running around confused. And, and just the battle was won. And it was won God's way. Not in numbers, but in the strength of God. Doing it God's way. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. But they're not carnal. It's not a fist or a hammer. But it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to invite every man in the house to come down, young and old. And I want to pray for you. As we end this Father's Day service, we've been called to lead. And God gave me one specific instruction one thing to say before we leave this place come on come on come on I didn't call just fathers but I said men so even if you're not a father come and I want to pray thank you so much for listening to the sermon of the week God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.